0: Would you do me a favor? Would you just pray with me as we get ready to dive into the Word of God? I, I am so stirred up on the inside of my spirit this morning. I know that God has a Word for us. And I know, how many of you know that the Word of God is living and it is active and it changes us? It is powerful. It is the Word of God. Amen. And I know that as we dive into this, the last week and this week, we've been talking about the cross, um, not. Typical sermons about just inviting people to come to church on Easter, but we really felt strongly in our heart the Lord wanted us to go back to some fundamentals. There's so much going on in our world that it's important that we understand what the Word of God says and what we can build our lives on, that sure foundation of the Word of God, amen. And so it's encouraging when we just go back and reestablish this is what the Word of God says. This is what the cross means. This is what this whole celebration about Easter and resurrection truly is. And so how many of you just, it's just exciting to go back and to leave encouraged with our faith built on what the Word of God says amen amen would you just pray with me when and, and would you just put your hands on your heart this morning as we just get our hearts ready to receive God's Word Father right now in the name of Jesus Lord we just come into your presence Lord we open our hearts to receive your word Lord we posture ourselves in a way To hear from you and Lord we release our faith father that your perfect words are spoken this morning God that what you want released would would happen God that that's the word that would go forth and we know Lord that you are faithful to confirm your word always with signs following God your word does produce a harvest and we put our faith in, out there. We get ourselves in alignment to agree to believe you for a harvest from your word this morning in our lives and in the lives of others. We give you first place in this house. Father, this is your church and we are your people. Our hearts are ready to receive. Speak to us all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, it is Palm Sunday. Obviously, that's been mentioned already. And what a beautiful time that we have when it comes to Palm Sunday. Christians all over the world are pausing today to remember Palm Sunday and what that was. I know that the scripture was already read this morning, so I won't take time to go through and reread that story. But what a beautiful account of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and His people celebrating and worshiping and laying down their coats and clothing and waving palm branches which symbolized victory and peace and triumph and so many beautiful things that those palm branches symbolized and just a triumphal entry and they were excited. The Jewish people were so excited because their long-awaited Messiah was coming. They had just heard that He had raised Lazarus from the dead, and they were getting excited because for so long they had been looking for their Messiah. And they believed this was Him. And they were celebrating His triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Can you just imagine just the electricity in the air, the excitement, the celebration, and the joy that would just fill that city? all the prophecies coming to fulfillment. But it was interesting because now we're on this side of the story. So we can, we have the luxury of reading after it all happened, but truly only people in there that knew what truly was about to happen was Jesus and God, the father. The Jews knew their Messiah was coming, but he was about to come in a way that they did not anticipate and his salvation was coming, but it was gonna happen in a way that they didn't expect. They didn't expect that Jesus would die on a cross. They didn't expect that there would be an eradication of the old covenant and that a brand new covenant was about to be cut. They didn't expect that a lot of the things that they held to for salvation, that God had, had, he, God wasn't changing his plan. He never did change his plan. He was fulfilling his plan. They just didn't realize how, the fullness of it. They, they had an assumption in their mind on how all of this was going to happen. God didn't change the plan, but what they expected to happen and how they expected him to save them was different than what actually was about to happen. And when Jesus died on that cross and when he sacrificed his life and laid down his life, he laid it down, it wasn't taken from him. When he willingly laid down his life, it was a tough pill to swallow, to say and to accept that that's their Messiah that he had died and that when he would raise from the dead, it wasn't the easiest thing for the Jews to receive. And in scripture, Paul even comments that the message of the cross became offensive to many because it would step on their toes and it would cause them to have to no longer trust in the things that they always thought or they couldn't purify themselves through certain things and rituals and the the old covenant, the law, all the things. Paul even said that it became offensive. Let me read that scripture to you. And there's two translations. I'm going to start with the New Living. So guys, you don't have this translation, but it's Galatians 5 verses 7 through 11. It says this, this is Paul. He said, you're running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who's been confusing you. He's addressing some other doctrine about Jesus that these Galatians had been hearing, and he wants to help sort them out. And then he says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, talking about the the law, the old way that they were guaranteed salvation. As some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. There was an offense. It was hard for people to handle the message of the cross and all that it meant. There was an offense that went along with that because it required some things. It required some decisions, it required some things. Let me read you, just because I think it's fun. It's from the Message Translation, and it's the same scripture. You were running superbly. Who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? This detour doesn't come from the one who called you into the race in the first place. And please don't toss this off as insignificant. It only takes a minute amount of yeast, you know, to permeate an entire loaf of bread. Deep down, the Master has given me confidence that you'll not defect. But the one who is upsetting you, whoever he is, will bear the divine judgment. As for the rumor that I continue to preach the ways of circumcision, as I did in those pre-Damascus Road days, because he did, he knew what it was to preach that, that is absurd. Why would I still be persecuted then? If I were preaching that old message, no one would be offended if I mentioned the cross now and then. It would be so watered down, it wouldn't matter one way or the other. Why don't these agitators, obsessive as they are are about circumcision circumcision go all the way and castrate themselves? (laughs) I know. Okay. (laughs) It's a bit of a shock factor, but I think we understand and we get the point. There is an offense with the cross because when you encounter the cross, it requires something of us. When you see the cross and when you think about the cross and all that it means, there's a requirement. In preparing for this message, I had the opportunity to read or to not to read. Well, yeah, I read a couple of messages about the cross and then I had the opportunity to, to watch on YouTube a message by the amazing Billy Graham. And he was preaching, I believe it was in Europe and it was a message entitled, The Offense of the Cross there's a lot of people that had titled their messages that. And as he spoke, he just spoke and he just started talking about the cross. And he started talking about why it's difficult for many people when they encounter the cross because it costs you something. You have to lay something down. You can't go on living the same way that you were living before. Um, It requires something of you. But he was just talking and at the end of his message, he didn't even really do much of anything. There wasn't any lights, there wasn't any pomp and circumstance, there wasn't anything other than he had just read the word of God and people started flooding the altars. It was the most beautiful thing. I just sat there and watched and just cried at the beauty of the simplicity of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we don't have to add to it. We don't take away from it certainly, but just the power of the gospel to change people's lives. When you encounter the word of God, we don't have to do anything. We just have to realize what the, this, is, this is what Jesus did for us, amen. And it is the power of God and to salvation. And he didn't water that down and people knew what they were saying yes to and the altars were full of lives changed. And I kept watching face after face. And it was as if I was just thinking about destinies and family lines and heritage and all the things, all the, all the destiny that was being changed in that one moment for the kingdom of God. And it was powerful. So today as we dive into the offense of the cross and dive into all, what we're gonna talk about here today, there were three main points that just stood out to me that when we encounter the cross, when we encounter what the Word of God says, when we encounter Jesus, there's three, and certainly there's not just three, there's many more, but there were three points and three areas, three things that I felt like, okay, these are, this is what we need to talk about today. And they're, they're heavy on my heart for today. So as we dive into it, there's three areas. So the first one is this, when we encounter the cross and we come face to face with what Jesus did on the cross, it requires a few things. One, it requires us to recognize that there really is only one way. There's just one way. There aren't multiple ways. There's not multiple paths to get to heaven. There's just one way, amen? John 14:6 says this, Jesus told him, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is; from now on you do know him and have seen him." There is only one way. Our society and our culture likes to make us believe that maybe we can find our own way. We can find different philosophies or different pathways. Maybe we'll combine a couple different things here and there. But when you see the cross, you have to acknowledge that there is only one way, amen? There's not multiple ways. We can't get ourselves there. We can't combine a couple other religions to get there. We can't say, well, I can do part of it and not all of it. There's just one way to get to Jesus, amen? There's just one way. And my flesh doesn't like that a whole lot because we want to try out other ways. We want to play with some other things. We want to kind of of look around and see what's out there. See what maybe we like better because this may require some things that our flesh doesn't necessarily want to give up. And we kind of want to put like dip our toe in over here and dip my toe in over here and let me explore. But my friend, there's just one way and it's offensive because I can't make up my own way. And you know what? Sometimes my flesh may even say this, well, God, it's not fair. It's such a narrow way. Aren't you being exclusive by keeping people out? And my friend, I would pose this question to you. Is the cross designed to keep people out or to get people in? Did Jesus pay the ultimate price to keep people out? Or to get people in. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus. And when I see the cross, not just as a ornament or just a little symbol, we have to come to the realization that that cross means there is, I'll keep saying it, only one way. The second thing that we have to come to realization of and to accept is that there is this thing called absolute truth. I'm going to come down here for this one. (laughs) There is this thing called absolute truth. Now this is a hot button. I don't know if you know it or not, but our society and culture doesn't like that one too much. Am I wrong? I mean, there's all these things like of the truth is whatever whatever you want the truth to be, whatever's good for you, right? It's, it's whatever your truth might be, but it's a touchy subject for us to say and declare that there is an absolute truth. But when I see the cross, I have to realize that there is a thing called absolute truth. I wanna read this scripture, John 8, 31 through 32 says this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, knowing the truth doesn't bring bondage, it actually brings freedom. So many times we are taught or we think because our society makes us think or tries to deceive us. See, the problem with deception is that it's so deceiving right and so when you're in deception most of the time you don't understand that you're in deception so society tries to make us think by like, gosh you're so narrow-minded you're actually putting people in bondage you're saying that it only can be this way it can't be other ways you're not open to this but my friend we, we just learned that, that we know that there is only one way the gospel of Jesus Christ and really the truth that Jesus brings wasn't to keep people in bondage it was actually to set them free to get them free to get them out of the hell that they were living in to get them off of the path that they were going to get them out of bondage so they can live like the overcomer that he died and paid for them to become. Amen? There's not the truth of the word of God isn't to keep you locked down and to keep you from being able to have any fun. The truth of the word of God is to set you free so that you can experience the love of God so that you don't go to hell. That's one aspect of it. But that you live to the fullness of everything that God has placed on the inside of you to become. Because I say it every time I preach, I just can't get away from it. But there is far more on the inside of you than you realize. You are anointed. You You are a child of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And what Jesus did on that cross, He paid a great price so that you could be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that you could be washed clean, so that you could be the carrier of His presence of God wherever you go. And when you carry that, you carry truth to set people free. If people are living in bondage, if they're living in deception, what do you think the truth does? The truth comes in to set them free and you're carriers of that. That cross says that there is absolute truth. There are many things that are not up for question that we've been lied to to think that they are. And the the thing that keeps us on track, the word of God. The Bible, what does the Bible say? That's your truth. What does the word of God declare? That's your truth. What, is, what does it say if you're having questions about life, about lying, cheating, stealing, sexuality, all the things, what does the word of God say? That's truth. That's where freedom's found. That's to help break you out of bondage so you can walk in the fullness of what God designed for you. There is a thing called absolute truth and it's found in the Word of God. Knowing the truth does not make us narrow-minded. Again, boy, this keeps coming up. It makes redemption and sanctification possible. It equips us to bring freedom to the captives. The truth brings life for everyone, not just some. John 17, 17 says this, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Amen? The truth makes redemption. Redemption, the truth of the word of God. Again, that there is only one way. The truth makes redemption. Redeeming somebody is buying them back, right? That's what Jesus did for us on the cross is he bought us back. He paid, he laid down his life to pay the price so that we could be bought back because when were, we were created, we were created to be in perfect communion with Him. My goodness, if you look at Adam and Eve, they walked and talked with God. They lived in the presence of God every single day. I mean, can you even just fathom, like direct access, amen, to God and to His presence, just walking and talking. The Bible says that Adam walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. How awesome would that be? And then sin entered the world, and everything changed. But God had a plan that he had in place before the foundations of the earth, amen, to bring us back into redemption, into right relationship with him. How powerful is that? And and now, I mean, to see how far we came, and I'm getting ahead of my notes, but it just fits here, so we'll go with it. <laughs> but to see how far we fell, you go from Adam walking and talking into the cool of the day, and then you go to Moses when he's getting ready to lead the area, he had led the Israelites out. He went up and he just wanted to see God. And he couldn't see God face to face. God's like, because his presence on our bodies, it's not that God didn't want to be with us, but his whole, he's so holy, it would have killed Moses' physical body just to be in the presence of God. So God hid him behind a rock and he just got to see like the back half, you know, this little back part of God, like his robe, I don't know, like the back part of him as he went by. And that was almost too much for him. Sin is a big deal. It really, it did a lot. It's not a little deal. Okay, back to my notes. Absolute truth does exist and the Word of God serves as our guide, like I mentioned. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Hello, it's the Word of God. It corrects us when we are wrong. Come on it corrects us it corrects us it serves as a correction when we love the word of god we're just opening our hearts to be corrected which means if something has to be corrected it was out of line right if something's got to be corrected it was out of line so the word of god comes along to align us which means there's one way there is a truth there's a way that we should be walking there's a way that we should be living there's a way that we should be doing this thing it's going to correct us and bring us in line which means it's not just willy-nilly, whatever we want, whatever feels good at the time. The Word of God, it serves to correct us. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do, what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Amen? Truth is the Word of God. It's a solid foundation to build our life upon. You can find that in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, when we talk about the house built upon the rock versus sinking sand. I don't know about you, but I would prefer to build my house on the rock of Jesus Christ rather rather than on something that's just sand and it's going to be swept away. Because how many of you know we walk through life, right? And life happens, stuff happens, things come at us, but I want to be one of those individuals whose life is built on that firm foundation. Because when life does happen, I want to be standing on the Word of God so that I know that my foundation is standing, so that I know that my, it's gonna, I'm gonna gonna be victorious, (laughs) amen? I'm gonna overcome just like God said I would by standing on the Word of God, His truth. All right. And then the last piece of that cross that I wanted to touch with us today is this, is that when we see the cross, and this is, I mean, it, it's, off, it's offensive in culture. It's offensive a lot of times because when we, when we experience the cross, we realize that we have to understand that we have sin. And that we are in need of a Savior. Like that's a, that's a tough thing for our culture today because it's not so great to walk up and like, you know, point fingers at people and say, well, something's wrong with you. Like that doesn't go over, am I wrong? People get all defensive and they don't like that too much. But when you see the cross, we come into realization that, hey, we, we're in need of a savior. And that savior paid that price. And next week we get to have a huge celebration of what, what all that he did for us. My goodness, it is our time to absolutely celebrate. But our conversation today is just coming back to when we see the cross, it's the, it's the, it's the man, the size of the price tag. I have to recognize that we, we were in communion with God and that's what we talked about a little bit earlier. We walked and talked with him then we could not stand in the presence of God, sin under the world. We don't like to be told we're not perfect or if there's something that needed to be paid for. And we don't like to call it sin. Isaiah 1.18 says this, "'Come now, let's settle this,' says the Lord. "'Though your sins are like scarlet, "'I will make them white as snow. "'Though they're red like crimson, "'I'll make them white as wool.'" Amen. I'm so grateful for that. But what I want us to see is that sin is real. And there, it was a real penalty, and it, re- it required a real payment to be made for it. Like, it, it was there, and it didn't just stain us. Sin was a sentence to death. So it was a stain on us, but some people are like, oh, I can live with a stain. No, you couldn't have. You couldn't have lived with a stain. And you're like, well, I'm not that bad of a person. My friend, sin entered the world when Adam and Eve sinned and we live in a fallen nature and we're not perfect. And so we carry sin, all of us, every single one of us. Every single one of us had that stain, but that stain of sin in our lives, that fallen nature was a sentence to death. There had to be a payment, it required an absolute payment. And I know people are like, Pastor Maria, this is a simple message, but come on. Like it is is a foundation of our belief. It is a foundation of who we are as, as Christians. This is what we believe to our core. This is what Jesus did for us. This is what Jesus paid for us. And he had this plan in place before the foundations of the world. So he knew he was going to the cross even before Adam and Eve sinned. Like he had a plan in place to get us back. That's how much he loved us. He loves us so much. He loves us so much that He had that plan, so no, listen, I said it before. No, Christian. yes, there is one way to Jesus, but it's not to keep it exclusive. Christianity isn't sitting there trying to keep people out or how could you have a God that tries that, that's so, he's so demanding. He, he, he's not just gonna let anybody go to heaven or he's not just gonna let anybody, they're a good person. Where's the grace? Where's the mercy you're talking about? My friend, the grace and the mercy was the fact that he had a plan and your sin was sentencing you to death. So you know what his plan was? He'll pay for it. He'll pay for it. That does not sound like somebody who's trying to keep you out of his presence. When he's willing to lay his own life down for you, that sounds like somebody who's trying to get you back. That sounds like somebody, that sounds like a desperate parent that's willing to do whatever it is to sacrifice a life for their child. I don't know about if you have kids in the room or not, but there's not one thing I wouldn't do for my children. I would sacrifice my life in a heartbeat for them. And I'm a human mama, mama bear at times. Probably, but I'm a—I'm a human—I'm not even God the Father. How much more would God the Father do for us? I remember moments, and we've shared this story here before, but I remember moments when my twins were born, and they were preemies, and if you haven't had a preemie in the room, you remember these moments, but they were in like little isolettes, and we couldn't touch them when they were first born, because they were too little, and if we touched them, their senses, actually, it it wasn't wasn't good for them, like their stats would go all kind of crazy. So for the first month or so, we didn't even hold our kids, like, because me touching them would hurt them. Well, think about the, our heavenly father. He was with us and then our sin came in and if he was with us, it would hurt us. So he laid down his life to get us back. That sounds like a father, a good father, who's trying to get us back, but again, The problem with deception is that it's so deceiving. So we start to believe lies over the truth. And we start to believe that maybe there's multiple ways. We start to believe that maybe truth isn't so black and white, maybe there's some gray areas. We start to maybe add bits and pieces or we start to take away certain parts that we don't like. We start to cut away at different things, and we begin to water down, just like Paul was talking about to the Church of Galatia when they were trying to keep parts of the law, and he's saying, listen, Jesus has paid for that. He fulfilled that law, so you don't have to do those things, but now here's the new covenant that Jesus paid for, and that was offensive to them, but they were trying to hang on to bits and pieces. How much more do we in society today try to hang on to bits and pieces well cotton maybe didn't really mean this. And maybe I'll just take this part, maybe that that there's only one way through Jesus out. Or we'll just kind of dilute it a little bit here and there. My friend, that cross, when you encountered that cross, we realize there is only one way. We realize that there is only absolute truth. And that by seeing that cross, we had sin in our lives that required a savior, a perfect sacrifice that when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't, it, it was so much. It's hard to capture in even just one message because it was a, all of the fulfillment of all the prophecies that the Jews had been celebrating, excited about. They didn't even realize how it was all going to be fulfilled. It was so much. It was so much. It was beautiful. Amen. Amen. Romans three twenty-one through 30 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this, listen, through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Come on. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. What a beautiful just word right there. The word of God telling us this is exactly what happened. This is, we had sin. Jesus was the over payment for our sin and we're made right by believing God. Such a powerful sacrifice of love. And one of the most famous scriptures on the planet, John three sixteen says this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his only, his one and only son so that everyone, everyone, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. What a beautiful example, amen? God is so good. So as we bring all the pieces together, you know, I ask the question of myself, now what? Now what? We're getting ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I love that we practice how we're gonna come in and celebrate next week. Um, getting our hearts ready, it is the day that really changed everything. and there shouldn't, there's, I don't, there's not a better day of celebration for the believer. Amen than at Resurrection Sunday. So we're going to getting ready to come. But when after you encounter the cross, you know, now what? And there are three th- points that I want to leave us with as we get ready to close. For the sake of our culture, it's imperative that we recognize that the, the offense of the cross does cause. It will cause offense because it is the good news, but it does require change. When, we, when people are presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it does require something. I had a mentor that said one time, the cross is the place where God's will and my will cross and his will wins. God's will, my will intersect and he wins. It requires change. I don't get to live the same way I've always lived. And that is offensive to some. We have to recognize that by admitting that people can be offended and even Christians can be offended by that. I don't want to just leave this in the camp of unbelievers having to change. Some of us who've given our life to God need to come into submission in some areas of our lives that we've not submitted to the Lord. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And he asks us to follow him. He's worthy. Look what all he did for us. And he never asks us to do anything that isn't for our own benefit. And he doesn't, again, I'm going back to all the points that I said earlier, but I wanna make sure we as Christians hear it as well. He doesn't do anything to take the fun out of life or to make it exclusive or to be, put you in bondage or to make it whatever, he always does it to bring freedom. So whatever you find in the word of God that he's asking you to do and to align your life with, there is freedom on the other side of that. It may cost you something in the moment when you have to ask for forgiveness, and you have to make a change, a complete pivot. Sometimes there's a whole 180 that has to happen, and you have to change your mindset, and sometimes stepping out of those things are difficult, and stepping out of the way that you thought when—because we were living in deception for so long. But when you encounter truth, you're no longer deceived. You realize it now, and now you have a choice to make. And it's our job to step out of agreement with those things and to come into alignment with what the word of God says. That's when he's Lord. So this message, yes, is for unbelievers, but it's for the believers too. Because again, there's those of us in here that God's been talking about. And there's, listen, boy, there's those of us in here, God's been talking to you. You know you have a call in your life. But you've been tap dancing around some things that you need to change in your life so that you can step into that. You're not going to be ready to step into it until you fully surrender all of those areas. God's going to be faithful to his promise on your life. But you've got to surrender and come into alignment so that he can take you there. Recognition takes it from being merely an icon or religious relic. We don't get to pick and choose the parts of the message we want to keep or cut away. The message can no longer be watered down and diluted with ideas and philosophies and opinions we would like to add or take away from it. It, the cross, stands on its own. The cross is invaluable, and it is more priceless than life itself. And finally, when you encounter the cross, and have said it all morning, I am left with decision of what to do with the immense love poured out on the cross. What do I do with the message now? Because when you inca- interact with the cross, it is impossible to leave the same way you came because you either receive it or you reject it. There's no in between. You either receive it or you reject it. There is no in between. It requires a decision. So moments like this, and it's an exciting decision. It's sobering in the fact that it does require something from us. It requires change, right? It requires us to come out of agreement with one way and into a new way. But man, it's exciting to step out of darkness into light, to step out of fear and into perfect love, which casts out fear, to step out of bondage and into forgiveness and love, to step out of sin and pressure and everything on my life to step into the freedom of what God has for us, amen. There is an exciting exchange that takes place, but there is an exchange, amen? Like it requires us to make that decision and as believers we understand the goodness of that right we understand the freedom of what that's like but it requires much from us so i'm going to ask you to stand this morning as we get ready to close how many of you are grateful for the sacrifice of jesus amen and what he did on the cross. I'm so grateful. And you know what? I'm grateful that there is only one way. I'm grateful that I know the way. I'm grateful that there is an absolute truth, because it keeps me following after him. And I'm so grateful that I am aware that what I was was a sinner, but I am now a daughter of the Most High God and I am loved, I'm accepted, and I'm forgiven. I'm so grateful for that. But it's good to remember, amen. So as, this, as we get ready to close this morning, in just a minute, I'm gonna pray for us in this room. Just even as we go about our week and as we just remember the sacrifice. Again, it's Palm Sunday and it was the time that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, like we talked about, and the Jews were cheering and celebrating, not really knowing, knowing they, had, they knew they were celebrating Jesus, but they didn't really know. They thought they knew how the Messiah was gonna come and all that he was gonna do, but he had a different plan. So as we go through this week, remembering and reflecting on all that Jesus did for us, because in a week's time, man, he, you know, we have a good Friday service this coming Friday evening. We'd invite you to come join us. I believe that's at six. It's at six o'clock right in here. Come with us. We're gonna have a beautiful time of communion in the presence of God, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made and then come back and be with us on Sunday morning as we celebrate the resurrection. But as we go about this week and we just remember all that the cross means. Can we do that? I'm gonna ask for every head bowed and every eye closed, and we're gonna give individuals an opportunity this morning to give their life to Christ. So if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe there was a time when you did and you've walked away from Him in just a second, I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand high in the air, and we're not gonna call you forward, but we're gonna pray with you right at your seat and give you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord. God is so good. Oh man, I'm just, and I know that He confirms His word with signs following. So as people, look, there's already somebody with their hand up, I love that. As people hear the Word of God, their lives begin to change. It changes them from the inside out. So if that's you this morning, and you have never given your life to God, but you're ready to, you see the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, and you say, you know what, that's me. I want to give my life to the Lord. I surrender. I'm encountering the cross, and I'm making a decision for Jesus Christ today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you in the count of three, put your hand up high, and we're going to pray with you right at your seat. One, two, three. Put it up. We want to pray with you, and I want to see you. We've got a hand there. Praise God. I'm going to come around. I'm looking. We We don't want to miss anybody in the room this morning. All right. Over there. We have a second hand over there. Okay. Awesome. Praise God. We're going to give you just a minute. And you could be watching with us online this morning as well. All right, church, would you pray with me for those two that raise their hand and everybody online as well, so that they know that they're not alone. We can just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Father, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I know I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for sending me your son, Jesus, to die for me. Jesus, be my Lord and savior. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you celebrate those two that gave their life to the Lord this morning? Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening, and God bless.